Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Sabi Sima Era podcast here on Spidey-Dude.com, powered by the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Before we get started, we got to thank our friends over at Patreon.com slash Spidey Dude Network. Finkman, Scott, Greg, Kale, Phoenician, Georgia, Cindy, Jessica, Catherine, Kegar, Laura, Master Dramon, Ed Reynolds, Allison Farquhar, Vicky, Scott, Janelle, and Vanessa. Thank you guys for your support over on Patreon.com slash Spidey Network. What do you get if you're over there on Patreon? Well, you're going to get some exclusive podcasts with the Spidey Experience, going to get the exclusive Books of X podcasts, as well as the video version of Voices from the Eerie, Gargoyles podcast. That is going to be the home for all the all the video episodes of that particular show moving forward. So if you haven't checked it out, go over there, become a $5 patron and up, and you get to have access to the full Patreon page. But if you just want to support us and give us a buck, we got $1, $5, $15, and $25 tiers. The higher the, the higher the tiers, the more perks you get. So check us out over on patreon.com slash Network, And be sure to join our Discord. Go over to spidey-dude.com, click the Discord link at the top of the page, and it will take you to our Discord. Join us where we uh, have discussions, and every single show has its own spot on our Discord. So thanks for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Welcome back to the spectacular Sal Basama era podcast on a podcast we're not actually talking about Sal Basama. <laughs> I'm your host, Dr. Chris. Joining me is Drew from Screen Rant. Hello. And we are going to come back to Sal Basama's era on the spectacular Spider-Man, but we got to finish up a long, long Spider-Man storyline called Axe of Vengeance, where Spidey gets cosmic powers and punches stuff in Superman-style ways. And by that, I mean literally Superman-style ways. He flies, he's invulnerable, he can shoot lasers out of his eyes. Superman stuff. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Makes for a great costume in the end. Um, carried over into a what if. Carried over into video games. Carried over into the first Spider-Verse crossover by Dan Slott. And uh, now we're back to the final of uh, the Cosmic Spider-Man storyline. This is the post-Acts of Vengeance story epilogue, mm-hmm. which we are covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we will do a quick follow-up with a couple other really quick post Cosmic Adventures Spider-Man follow-up. So there's an epilogue to an epilogue to an epilogue. <laughs> very Lord of the Rings. Yes. But. The issue in question we're talking about is Amazing Spider-Man number 329, uh, written by Dave, David Michelinie, drawn by Eric mm-hmm. Larson, who's now taking over the book yeah. full-time, uh, yes, yes. by Andy Mashinsky, colorist Bob mm-hmm. Sharon, letterer Rick Parker, editor Jim Scalrup. The title of the issue is Power Play. At the headquarters of Shaw Industries, Sebastian Shaw has recovered from three has recovered three different models of mutant hunting sentinel robots, which he combines together to form the Tri Sentinel. Three days later, Peter Parker is helping his wife Mary Jane learn her lines for the secret next episode of Secret Hospital, which is basically like Days of Our Lives for people who don't understand what she's doing. However, Peter can't seem to focus on the lines because his thoughts are consumed with the mystery of where his new powers have come from. Deciding to clear his head, Peter takes his costume as Spider-Man and goes out. After Shaw's uh, Tri-Sentinel robot comes to life, 
Graviton, the villain who Spider-Man fought at the beginning of Acts of Vengeance, shows back up and gets his ass spiked by Spider-Man. Loki, furious over his Acts of Vengeance scheme, has failed, and has decided he will send the planet Earth on one parting gift. Casting a spell, Loki uses his magic powers in order to bring the Tri-Sentinel to life and cause it to go after the nuclear plant in New York City. Soon, Spider-Man's Spider-Sense goes crazy, and in doing so, after... The science blast uh, from uh, the weapon causes Spider-Man to turn into full-on Captain Universe, and he understands that he is connected to the Uni Power, which is called upon every once in a while if a great disaster is going to occur. And we'll get more into Captain Universe a little bit more. Spider-Man fights the Tri-Sentinel and is able to defeat it once and for all. After defeating the Tri-Sentinel, the Uni Power departs Spider-Man, leaving him utterly exhausted, but the nuclear power plant has been saved. Spider-Man laments, sorry, Peter laments what happens to Mary Jane, and Mary Jane assures her that whatever happened, he was able to beat it himself, but the conversation is abruptly erupted by Flash Thompson showing up at his apartment with his new girlfriend, Felicia Hardy. Dun-dun-dun. To be continued in many, many issues of Spider-Man afterwards. Drew, what did you think of this issue? I mean, I've been looking forward to this the entire time we've been doing Acts of Vengeance. I mean, Acts of Vengeance is great, but, I mean, I've been excited to see this, and... I mean, it, it did not disappoint, but I just wish that we had seen a little more of, of Spider-Man in the Captain Universe suit. I feel like that could have been explored just a little better, as I feel the Captain Universe idea, how we've definitely seen it expressed in different forms throughout Marvel history. I mean, even Deadpool got a shot at being Captain Universe at one point. Um, I mean, it was great, and uh, the... The Tri-Sentinel has always been a secret favorite of mine, and I know it's it popped up again in a future storyline, and I also know it popped up yet again in Nick Spencer's uh, run of Amazing Spider-Man way in the beginning. Um, I, I thought it was great. I mean, like I said, I, I find it... Uh, it's funny that, that Loki is such a sore loser that this is his, his big get, and he couldn't even win with that because the universe was already planning to, to stop him with it. And again, like I said, if the Tri-Sentinel still makes another comeback, I mean, I'm all for it. But overall, great. What do you think? I mean, starting off with the cover, I love how the Tri-Sentinel is about to squish Spider-Man and it says, introducing the Tri-Sentinel. And it's like, <laughs> it's not a recurring character, people. So this is issue 329. The Tri-Sentinel would return in, let's do the math. 22 issues, right? Amazing Spider-Man number 351, that's 22? Yeah. Okay. So, and then we will never see it again until the very beginning of uh, Nick Spencer's run on Amazing Spider-Man. Right. Which is Amazing Spider-Man number 851? Right? 52? Something like that. Yeah, it's like it's like the number issue is one off from the current one. So it's like issue 78 is out right now. They're up to issue 879 in the legacy numbering. But uh, again, this is something I would love to see as a toy. I think later on the Tri-Sentinel actually has multi-colors on the cover. It's just all blue. But the robot, the Sentinel robots are like a blue, a red, a green. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's just, it, it's... It's still so crazy. Like I, I, I just looked it up. The last issue, last time we saw this was uh, this thing was Amazing Spider-Man um, number five, and it's just again. I, I, I really agree with you, Chris. Like I feel like if Sentinels look like this, I mean, God, 
those X-Men fights would be even more interesting. It's just, it's such a great villain that I feel like fell victim to Marvel's happenstance of, okay, well, we used it, we're going to unuse it, and then we're just going to save it in case somebody else wants to be like, oh, yeah, whatever happened to that thing? But I feel like that very much happens with a lot of Marvel villains. You know, uh, it's like that, do you remember when we were talking Acts of Vengeance, that one robot that, like, apparently was the anti-Captain America, I, they, they talked about this big thing. I was like, when the hell did we see this? Uh, that that machine during Acts of Vengeance, the one that Doctor Doom tried using to absorb Cap, um, Spider-Man's Captain Universe powers, that was like the anti-Cap, and then it gets like destroyed, and they're making a big deal about it. I was like, when the hell did this thing pop up? And it's like a little side note. I was like, yeah, this is... Talk about a relic. And they try making it to be a bigger thing than it is, and I'm just like... Okay. It's another killer robot. We're kind of used to that here. Yeah, um, the sleeper was a big thing uh, the Nazis had. I guess it was like a sleeper robot. Um, I don't even know yeah. if they would even use that today anymore because, like, how often are we going to keep, like, oh, no, the Nazi Doomsday weapon that we didn't destroy before has come back. And I'm like, really? Again with a Nazi Doomsday weapon? <laughs> Exactly. The uh, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to keep having the Nazi Doomsday weapon showing up every five minutes in books. Uh, maybe back in the eighties, yes, because that was thirty years after World War Two. But now in twenty twenty, going into twenty twenties, it doesn't mm. feel like it's all that necessary. What it is, it's just lazy writing. You know, it's just a convenient villain, and it's just like okay, like okay, so let's just blame it on the Nazis and evil robots versus like wow, let's do something new. Let's or take it in a direction we haven't seen like again coming back to the tri-sentinel like it's so cool of a concept like you said it's like they built it up like it's gonna be bigger than it really was and it was nothing i mean i guess it was meant to be one and done in one issue i'd love to talk to eric larson about the tri-sentinel but sometimes asking him questions about old stuff in comics that he worked on is not always uh it's not that he's a good not a he's a bad responder it just doesn't always have like the best response um yeah um you know, I mean, like I said, I've met Eric a few times as well, and he's always been very good spirits. Um, but like you said, especially older Marvel and stuff, you, 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 it's not as much asking them. It's like you said, it's about how you word it. You know what I mean? Because, again, it's, you don't want to just ask him, oh, what was it like drawing Spider-Man? You know, like, again, a little, a little common sense. But like I said, overall, as an epilogue to this, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've always wanted to read this this story because I remember reading about it in my big Spider-Man Ultimate Guide, so thank you for the opportunity to finally read that. Like I said, and it's just sad that we, we have the Captain Universe costume and it looks great and then it's gone. But like you said, it would live on and we would see it again in other times, but it's just still like, why couldn't we have this from like the beginning? That would have been so dope, you know? It is what it is. The one giant spade splash of the Captain Universe uh, power destroying the Tri-Sentinel is amazing. I don't know it's when the, tri the Captain Universe power shows up again after this. I believe, oh, excuse me. I believe it's in a story by Steve Ditko. Uh, I think a baby gets it. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, it's in an annual when they were starting it because it was just around this time. They started doing the crossovers with the annuals for like three years. So the spider titles obviously doing a crossover very easy. There were four of them. Um, mm -hmm. Well, three of them that had annuals. Spider-Man, by the way, never had an annual until 1997. Um, that was the return of Calypso, which we talked about over on Splash Pages. They, uh, oh, and Gloria Grant, by the way, who we've talked about here on Spectacular Spider-Man, was the embodiment for the resurrection of Calypso. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, because uh, that's my guess. I don't know. When Marvel resurrected Red Sonia, whose body was Red Sonia occupying? Drew. Uh, no, I'm not even touching this one. Go. Mary Jane. Why? Because, you know, red hair. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those where, again, it, it's, it's, wow, we're going to make this, and it's not even like a creative thing. It's like, wow, we're just going to make this easy for the sake of being easy. And I'm just like, dude, like, again, and you know why they're doing this. Like, oh, it's a popular character. We can use it to sell covers. And I'm just like, okay, well, that's fine. That won't be me. Like I said, this is this was a nice ending to Acts of Vengeance. Um, I just more think it is wow, Loki is such a sore loser. Yes. Um, like boy, God, what a what a wimp. No wonder Thor knocks him silly. Avengers but, West Coast Volume Two Number Fifty Five was the end of the Acts of Vengeance story in the um, right. Avenger titles, which it mostly affected mm-hmm. and ran through. Everything else was a tie-in. It was basically an Avengers story. Because yeah. Lo- because it's Lo- because it's Loki. Honestly, it didn't really have any reference um, other than like, oh, I'm fighting a villain I've never fought before over a New Mutants with the Scorpion or the Vulture, you know. It and, and it was basically the the powerheads of the villain community sending the also ran villains after the heroes. You know what I mean? It's like Kingpin yeah. did not fight anybody. Red Skull didn't fight anyone except for Magneto that <laughs> got built up, you know, caged in a wall only to be rescued yeah. later on by uh, uh, his loyal lackey. I almost said Frank Grillo, but it's the actor who plays him in the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay, so going on, there are two more tie-ins to Acts of Vengeance. It's all mm-hmm. of this spider, uh, it's all the villains that Spider-Man spanked um, in the last issues that are not all that fantastic. Titania, Trapster, Brothers Grimm, and Graviton. And Goliath, Eric Johnston. The Goliath, by the way, who would eventually become Atlas, part of the um, uh, Thunderbolts, which is going to come yeah. back soon, by the way. Did you hear the Thunderbolts are coming back again? I did, and I was like, wow, that's always great. It's always so funny when you see them pop up because it's, again, another of Marvel and DC's tradition of stealing each other's ideas. Right. When you read it, it's like, so this is Marvel's Suicide Squad. But, however, it wasn't Marvel's Suicide Squad in the beginning. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's exactly it was an independent team of villains trying to be good guys because they thought oh we'll win over the public and then deceive them but then they're like but the public kind of loves us why do we want to go back to crime we're getting all of the praise and the accolades and the endorsements and the uh the Mm -hmm. fancy baxter building because the Fantastic Four were dead at the time uh and I guess Franklin Richards and, and and Grandpa Richards don't inherit it i don't don't ask me anyway moving on um (laughs) they were independently contractors until civil war right civil war was what made the thunderbolts a a suicide squad team and they have been that way ever since even when luke cage took over the team which makes a little bit of sense considering luke cage was a criminal before he became a superhero yeah. Uh, and by the way, he was a criminal. He was not a supervillain. He was a criminal before he became a superhero. Just distinction of that, people. Um, Very yes, he was a he was a he was a petty thief, and then he got experimented on in prison. And he became a superhero and was like, I ain't going back to that life. That made sense as well. Man Thing has been kind of an anti-hero, so he's on the team. One of my favorite moments in the Thunderbolts, by the way, is when. Uh, 
he needs the man thing to trust him and the man thing has to touch him to see if he fears him and the man thing like grabs luke cage by his bald head and then the man thing brings him in for a hug and he's like i think he trusts me (laughs) 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 it's like the most adorable moment because they're like you have to let the man thing touch you if you know fear the man thing won't like respect you he's like okay touch me And then Man-Thing just brings him in for a hug. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah. Man-Thing make friends with Luke Cage. And it's just, and like I said, you know, I, I, I was reading this whole thing and I was just like, it was just, it was just like an extension of sword, of sword loserdom. Like, you know, they get broken out, out by, I think it's Count Nefaria. Oh right? boy. Yeah. Actually, yeah, kind of a powerhouse villain. What do we know about Count Nefaria real quick? I only know briefly like a few things. I generally like, challenging the Avengers. Usually he's a villain that you gotta take out as a team. Um, beyond that, I've seen him sporadically. Like, it, it, he's, he's always one of those powerhouses that easily were so. He's never really like an overarching villain. He's more like a one-and-done kind of guy. Right, but, and he's also tied to the, mag- the Magi, correct? Yes. Okay, and his so. daughter is Bethany Cable, a.k.a. Madam Mask? Yes. Yes, okay. At the yeah, end but, of this uh, storyline, by the way, with uh, the breakout of the villains, um, leading into something we're not going to cover, but it's going to come around again later on, and we might give it a back. There's no really reason to cover it, but Mary Jane discovers Harry Osborn has his goblin gear again. And mm-hmm. Harry takes it upon himself with the help of Mark Raxton, the the, mol- the molten man who we met previously, yeah. to become a hero. Mm-hmm. For, t- for a couple issues, because of what happened with the Hobgoblin, but Peter talks yep. him out of it, and, uh, well, Spider-Man talks him out of it, and at the end of the story, Peter, when Spider-Man swings away, Harry says, thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot, Peter. You know, convincing him to hang it up again and go be with his family. However, yeah. JMD Mateus, and we'll get into it coming up in a few months, uh, just basically said he never read that story, so... <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to it because it's going to be part of this yeah. coverage. It's going to be one of the big, big epping stories that we might do one issue at a time just because of the heavy material. But, uh, yes, we will be covering some serious Green Goblin stuff coming up Sweet. in a few months, in about 10 months, I yeah. believe. So, <laughs> 10 this, issues, 10 so issues. That, yeah, so just essentially, you know, it's basically with this giant superhero brawl. And, you know, i got to give credit to Peter, you know. Uh, he, he did pretty well considering he's dealing with like seven or eight villains yet again everybody is just so easily manipulated like you find out that this is all being orchestrated by the chameleon which I mean props I mean talk about uh, behind the scenes crime lord over here um, everyone's like oh well you know the kingpin and they're like oh yeah the kingpin let's go kill him and I'm just like oh here we go and it's just again I like how Peter is like, I don't know how I can do this, yet he still pulls it off. And I'm just like, yeah, it's because some of these villains are not really threatening at all. No. Like, the Trapster, please. The Brothers Grimm, put them back in storage where they belong. Like, even Goliath. I was like, okay, he's a 60-foot man. And Peter just trips him. I'm like, I got him done. Clink. <laughs> you know, even, even like Titania, you know, which, again, we're going to see in She-Hulk... Uh, uh, coming uh, when that eventually right and did you see the preview for She-Hulk we actually get to see her from the backside in her traditional purple uh, costume I did I saw that I even saw that they they did a fourth wall break and I'm like I was like wow we're really taking some credit from the the John Byrne era which is great love that right and we're Um, also taking something from the Bill Bixby TV show namely Bill Bixby's freaking wardrobe is being worn by Mark Ruffalo (laughs) 
<laughs> that is the yeah. exact war. Maybe not the exact one Bill wore, but who knows? It could be in mothballs for all we know. But it's the exact yeah. style clothes that Bill wore, and Jen is mm-hmm. saying the famous line. I love that. So yes, we're gonna we're we are getting Titania played by. I, like I said, I didn't really feel that there's any danger here. You know, I was like, these again, it was just like Peter is dealing with a bunch of B and some cases C or even D list villains. He's gonna he's gonna beat them. You know, it's just again the kingpin is just watching and like I'm not in a real threat. And then the chameleon is just like I just enjoy the whole time the chameleon is just chilling on a boat with bikini models. Living the good life. This is all according to my plan. Everyone can go fuck themselves. I'm living the good life. I'm just like, how do you live a good life? You don't ever take off your mask. There is a great Kingpin story that's going to come up in about 20, what are we at? Issue 65. So I want to say mm-hmm. 25 issues. It's called The Name of the Rose, and it's the epilogue to the um, fall of the Kingpin story from uh, Daredevil, Daredevil 297 to 300. Yeah, I know I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, that is a good story. That's a great story. And it takes a long time, by the way, for the Kingpin to come back from that. Yeah, he makes appearances, but he's not the Kingpin of crime for an incredible amount of time. Until, like, the Lady Bullseye story, I think, happened in the Brian yeah. Michael Bendis run of Daredevil. That is a great mystery because of the crap that Nick Katzenberg is pulling in these two issues and what we've seen of Nick Katzenberg and we will continue to see of Nick Katzenberg coming up in Spectacular um, gets Peter into serious trouble Mm -hmm. because of photos uh, Katzenberg takes that are accidentally run with Peter's byline Katzenberg is pissed that Peter got the credit for taking for his photos however it puts Peter in his wife daughter uh, wife uh, Christy is still there by the way Aunt May and other people into mortal jeopardy as uh, uh, Kingpin or uh, Richard Fisk or somebody goes gunning after Peter Parker not Spider-Man because that's the thing that Peter like Aunt May you know Mary Jane's just like but Peter because he's just like how did they know how do they know I'm Spider-Man she's like Peter you don't understand they were not here looking for Spider-Man they were looking for you And I'm just like, ooh. And by the way, coming up in uh, next time we record, Name of the Rose is also the end of the demon, go- demon goblin, demon hobgoblin storyline as the hobgoblin separates and becomes both the demon goblin and the hobgoblin. Like I said, this was a fun, this is another fun end to Acts of Vengeance. I don't know if we needed two issues for it, but again, it's a, Acts of Vengeance was a, was a fun miniseries. Kind of like, it kind of felt like most Marvel events. Like, the core story is pretty good. The spin-offs range from unnecessary to entertaining. And in the end, the Marvel Universe goes on, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I got to give credit to DC and Marvel. They shrug off these big things like it's nothing. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, that happened. Cool. Yeah, that was last week. What have we got this week? That's the end of the world. Well, we'll be Bye. back in a week or two with, uh, again, we may or may not have a guest, but we'll be beginning our coverage one issue at a time, going back to after this ridiculously long freaking coverage for Acts of Vengeance. I'm very excited for what we have in store. It's going to be a lot of great rating, a lot of great reviews, a lot of good stuff coming up uh, that we'll be able to talk about. And hopefully no more Acts of Vengeance. Definitely. No more Acts of Vengeance. You can follow yeah, us on sure. Twitter at ChrisDSAV. I don't know if Drew's on Twitter. No, I'm not. You can also go over and buy Vlada a Dracula Tale, my graphic novel, and tie-in comic book, Vlada Chronicles of the Damned, or the other tie-in comic book, Vlada Resurrection. Coming out in 2023, Colleen the Vampire, the spinoff of Vlada. So I have my own little Vlada universe. I loved it on That's Entertainment's recent video review of new comic books. They said... Mm-hmm. 
they said Kristen means a lot of universe, and I was just like, ooh, I appreciated that. So he got he, he got a pun na- a universe name title. <laughs> I got a really bad pun universe name title. Yeah, the Vladiverse. Yes, well, we'll be back in a couple weeks, everyone. Yep, we will. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and uh, refill your web cartridges while we're webbling, web slingers, power of webbing, get real sticky. That is a reference, everyone, to a huge Disney announcement. <laughs> well then, and and as Stanley once said, uh, RIPs. It's been three years. Excelsior. Be well, true believers.